Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 is what we're going to read from. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume. Just so you can have some context, theologians value this perfume, the entire jar, in today's money, upwards of around $50,000. You can imagine carrying a jar full of $50,000 or something that's worth that much. And when she met Jesus, she poured it all out on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Verse 12, when she, performed, when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. In memory of her. This week, I had to do something that I don't enjoy doing had to update the address on my life insurance policy. Do you have life insurance? You should. Okay, if you don't, you could get real spiritual and be like, Jesus is my life insurance. Amen. Amen. But if you have a family, okay, we have a young, uh, people from different ages here at church, but if you have a young family, you need to. I have a life insurance policy. had to update the address on that. Not a fun experience. You don't want to be reminded of the fact that one day you'll die. And, uh, and I had to, to do that. And I got sad uh, for a moment. Uh, but then I got happy because I thought about all the money that I would be able to leave my family should something happen to me. But then I got scared because when I saw how much money it was, I thought, Liz might try to kill me. Liz might try to kill me and get this money, and, uh, and then I got scared. But then I got happy. Not because she tried to kill me, but because if something ever did happen to me, she'd probably never get married again. Not because she's not beautiful and attractive and funny and spiritual and great cook and all those other things, but because she would feel too guilty every time she cast a check. Every time that monthly annuity came in, she'd be like, I just, I just can't. He's paying the bills. I'm just out of respect. And, and so, you know, I thought, well, this is great. This is a guarantee that she'll only forever love me and no one else. This is awesome. I'm just kidding, babe. Something would have happened to me. You have my permission. We have it on camera. You can get married. As long as your husband cashes the checks. Just so he knows, you know, I'm in heaven, but I'm still paying the mortgage. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just saying, I want that on him. I just, I want that on him. I just, I want that on him. 
Um, <laughs> I just want that. That's all I'm saying. I just want that. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate that support. I don't mind. The, the life insurance, it gives me some peace because I don't mind. I mean, you got to die, you got to die. I don't mind that dying is a part of life. I just don't want to be forgotten. And so if I could do anything to, to trigger a memory in her, in her life, that would be great. And memories are powerful. You know, how many people know memories are powerful? Super powerful. Um, they can do a lot of things that uh, something else it could not accomplish in life. For example, depending on the memory, um, I know somebody, uh, uh, a memory has the power to get someone to laugh at a funeral. You probably should never laugh at someone's funeral. But I have one friend whose twin brother uh, passed away, just it was a surprise death, passed away in his 30s, came out of nowhere. And uh, at the funeral, somebody started talking about Spanish food, and they were Puerto Rican. And just if you don't know any Puerto Ricans, our church is about 75% Hispanic. If you ever want to make a, a, a Hispanic person smile or laugh, just talk about food. We love food. Food makes us happy. Uh, and so we were at the funeral, and somebody said something about, hey, uh, this person really loved uh, that, that Spanish food, didn't they? And he was talking to the brother, and the brother started to laugh. Yeah. You know what he did. Isn't that cool, right? How a memory can make someone laugh at a funeral. Uh, a memory could also make someone cry at a birthday party or cry at a happy moment. I remember uh, last year, uh, Aaron had invited Liz and I to a beach retreat. That sounds like fun, and it was. Uh, we did some ministry on the side, but it was also the first time that we got to meet Jonah, baby Jonah, who was uh, it's Aaron and Gabby's third child. And baby Jonah was just three weeks older than our baby, our baby who passed away and didn't make it. And so we're on the beach and we're there with the sun and it should be a happy moment. But when we see Jonah, we're like, he's so cute, he's happy. But at the same time, we're like, oh, but man, it kind of makes me sad, right? And so memories are powerful like that. Memories can motivate you. I remember the first time I, uh, I got the call to ministry, I was, I was in a corner of a room praying. I always pray in the corner. I don't know why. I was always praying. I was praying in the corner. And, and, and this might sound a little weird if you don't go to church. This is just what happened to me, okay? I'm not saying this is going to happen to you. Don't be afraid to pray. This is not going to happen to you. Maybe it will. I don't know. I was in a corner and I was praying, and I just felt God say something to me. I felt him say, I'm going to anoint you like I anointed David. And then my eyes were closed, and I could visualize. I saw a picture in my mind of somebody pouring oil on my head, and oil is symbolic in the Bible for God's presence, like he's going to be with you. And I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. And then I get up. And then the pastor of the church comes over to me. He says, you, come here. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, get on your knees. And I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I've been in some crazy churches, and so I don't know if I'm about to get hit or what. You know? So I get on my knees, and, and, he, and he goes, and he grabs a jar of oil. And he says, God says, I'm going to anoint you like I anoint David. And he pours it over my head. I start to just cry. There's bluggers coming out. Just and I grabbed this tissue because in the, in the old school Pentecostal churches, we have tissue at the altar because it's just, we just expect it, you know. We just, so I grabbed the tissue and I wiped myself, no lie. I took the tissue and I framed it. I have, I have, I have oil and booger-drenched tissue in my office right now. But you know why? Because sometimes it's a scary thought coming here and preaching to you guys. I mean, we're getting in the habit now. Now you're starting to laugh. Now you say amen. Now you shout when I shout. But at the beginning, it was real quiet here. 
I was like, God, I don't know if I'm called to this. I don't know. We need to maybe find somebody else. This is kind of hard. And I would see that tissue hanging in my office. And I would remember, you called me. You called me, and, I, and I'm going to do this, right? Memories are powerful like that. They can push you. Memories can also paralyze you. Memories can also paralyze you. I'm looking at my wife because my wife is way out of my league. She was and she still is. And I never thought that someone like her would be interested in someone like me, but she was. I might not, you know, be everything in the looks department, but just put some game, you know. So I put some game. I got it. She, she, and we were talking for about five, six months. Six months. That's a long time. We didn't hold hands. We didn't, we didn't hold hands. We didn't, uh, uh, you know, kiss. Six months just just getting to know each other. And at the end of six months, I'm like, hey, girl, we need to take this thing to the next level. Like, boyfriend, girlfriend, can we do that? Can we make an announcement here? Can we make this thing official? Can we hold pinkies? Can we do something? Like, I'm, I'm not desperate. I just, I'm desperate. You know what I'm saying? Can we do something? And, and, she, and she, look, uh, back, it was a phone call. I never do these things over the phone. Young guys, never do these things over the phone. Because you need to read the face, you know. I couldn't read the face. And she told me, she said, she said, uh, you know, actually, I'm just not there yet. That's when you're supposed to say, oh, made me feel good. I know, right? I was just like, I'm not there yet. Well, what you don't know is that before Liz's relationship, I was in two other relationships. And each relationship ended with them leaving me. I know, right? And so, and so both, of them, both of them end up leaving me, and now I got a girl who I could have sworn was it. I'm telling her, you're it. Maybe that was why she wasn't sure. I don't know, because I was scaring her. But I was like, I'm telling you, the Lord said. He said it. And, uh, uh, and, and she tells me, so I tell, her, I tell her straight up on the phone right there, right? I tell her, I go, fine. I said, well, don't, I tell her, I said, don't talk to me. Don't call me. When you see me, don't say Hi. It's over until you know that I'm it. But I refuse to move one step further in this relationship until you're sure. Paralyzed. Boom. Came to a halt right there. True story. Three days later, she called me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. She said, she said, she said, the Lord said. I said, "Uh uh-huh. I sure wish you would have delivered the mail at the same time. Could have saved me three days of torture. Memories are powerful, man. They can do a lot of things uh, in your life. And here's the really scary power of memories is that once you have them, once you made one, here's it, you got to catch this, there's nothing you can do to undo it. A memory is a memory and it does not go away, which is great news if you've ever lost someone you've loved because their memory will live with you forever. But that's bad news if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been let down, if you've ever been abandoned, if someone has ever betrayed you, and if you've ever made a bad choice. Bad news because those kinds of memories also are hard to forget. And they can affect your life just like some of the memories that I mentioned. You see, people say, that you are where you are because of the choices that you made. And I'm a 100% wholehearted believer in that. Uh, you get to where you get to because of the choices that you make. But I'm not interested in that 
proposal or that idea or that question because once you're there, you're there. And so forget about the choices that you made got you the way you got. You're there. You're here. I'm more interested in why do we stay where we stand? I mean, I got where I got because of my choices, but if I don't like where I am, why do so many of us stay where we stay? And my answer to that would be is that while our choices get us to where we are, our memories oftentimes keep us there. Our memories oftentimes will keep us in places we don't want to be because we can't get beyond our memories. To uh, illustrate that point, I'll tell you a true story. Uh, in the 1800s, elephants, I know this is going to be a great story because it starts with elephants. Elephants were introduced into the circus circuit. You see elephants in every circus nowadays, uh, but it wasn't always the case. But in the 1800s, elephants were introduced uh, into uh, the circus. And uh, they were a big hit, and they were such a big hit that circus ringmasters started breeding uh, the elephants. But they had a problem breeding the elephants because the elephants, the baby elephants, what they call calves uh, or calves, they were very uh, mischievous. And so they would run away from the circus and cause havoc. And you hear, you can read in the news in the 1800s, if you Google it, you Google it, um, 1800s news, that uh, oftentimes elephants would break out into the city, run through department stores, uh, crash into uh, vehicles and carriages and all these other things. And so <clears throat> what they decided to do was <clears throat> to tie a uh, chain around an elephant's ankle, the calf elephant, because he was only 200 pounds. And then they would uh, take the chain <clears throat> and they would tie the chain and they would hit it into the ground. And they would tie a big wooden spike. And so they had a big, like, six-foot spike deep into the ground with a metal chain tied to the elephant's leg. And the elephant couldn't pull it out because at only 200 pounds, he wasn't strong enough to pull it out. But also, what would happen is that, what also happens was that as he pushed on the chain, the chain would rub against his skin. And eventually, the chain would, 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 would scratch and, and grain itself into the elephant's ankle. And you know, if you've ever had like an open cut, you know, you just touch it and it's like, ah, it hurts, right? So we get Band-Aids. Well, imagine that cut on the ankle. Every time the chain would press up against his ankle, the elephant would stop. He would stop because of the pain. He would stop because it hurt. And so the ringmasters thought, well, let's just lock him up until we can figure out what to do with him when he gets bigger. Because this is going to work while he's 200 pounds, but this isn't going to work when he's 5,000 pounds. Well, guess what? They never had to change the strategy. The elephant grew from 200 pounds to 300 pounds to 400 pounds to 500 pounds to 5,000 pounds. And that little chain with a wooden spike kept the elephant in place. Even though he had the power to break it out, it kept him in place. You know why? Because elephants have the greatest memory in the animal kingdom. Elephants can never forget. Best memories ever. What am I trying to say? The elephant would see a place where he would want to go, or he would see a fruit that he would want to grab. But before he grabbed it, even though he's 5,000 pounds, before he grabbed it and before he went, he would remember his chains. And he would remember his pain. And the memory of the pain told him, you know what? Don't even try it. Because it's just going to, what happened before is going to happen again. The hurt you felt before is the hurt you're going to feel again. So even though you're strong, don't go. Because remember what happened before. And I want to tell you, it's a sad day when your potential becomes marred by your memories. 
a sad day when you're in a relationship and you really think this is going to work, but every time he's out late or every time he takes a little too long to text back, all of a sudden you're thinking, I wonder who he's with. And I wonder, and I wonder, and I wonder why he's not texting me back. And I wonder if his phone's broken or I wonder if he missed someone new. Because in my last relationship, see how that works? It's December. They're going to start running all those specials in the gym right now. LA Fitness, 24 hours, buy one month, get eight months free, whatever they're going to do. Something crazy like that. And you're going to think about joining the gym, but you're going to remember the last time you joined the gym. And you're going to say, it's not worth it. I joined the gym two years ago, and, 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 and I was doing good for one week, and I'm still paying. Some of you guys have LA Fitness tags on your key ring right now, and you have not been there in three years. You have not been there in three years. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to do it because I remember the last time that it happened. I remember the last time. Some of you guys are going to think about setting New Year's resolutions. How many people still set New Year's resolutions? About 20% of the room. Are you ready for this? This is my message right here. We can just shut it down right here. How many people have ever set a New Year's resolution at least once in your life? Yeah. 100% of the room. You know how we don't do them anymore? Because they don't work. Because <laughs> they don't work. We've convinced ourselves. I'm not even going to try. Because I remember the last time. Some people, you're just getting involved in church, and we're asking you to join a small group or come to Next Steps, become a volunteer, do something, uh, get involved, keep coming, but you're not going to, or you're afraid to do it. Why? Because of what happened the last time you got involved in church, and they hurt you, or they abused you, or they took advantage of you, or you lost this, or you lost that. You cannot allow the memories of what happened affect who you are today. And so allow me to tell you, I'm going to get a little, if you're not used to people shouting or screaming, I'm going just, just, to let you know it's coming because I get passionate about this point. If I want to tell the 5,000-pound monster that is you, and I mean monster in the best sense of the word, I want to tell you that you need to understand that you are not who you were. And you don't see it, catch this, you don't see it because the chain is the same. You don't see it because the spike is the same. The chain is just as long, and the chain is just as heavy, and the struggle is still the struggle. And, because, and some of us think because we're struggling with things today that we struggled with 10 years ago, that God's not doing anything in our life. But you can't measure your spiritual, your spiritual development by the struggle because the struggle might be the same. But listen to me. You've grown. You've grown. You've gotten bigger. You've gotten better. You've gotten stronger. Just because the chain is around your ankle, just because you're still close to your, to your problem and your issue and your wrestling match, don't fall into the lie that you are who you were because you're not. You are different. You have grown. You have developed. God has done something special in your life. When I was a, 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 a youth pastor or an evangelist, I, I would, you know, evangelist is like the easiest job because you go out, preach, and then you could just bounce. You could just blow people up and then just leave and not have to be responsible for any of the mess. 
And so I would come in as a, as a youth camp, and I'd, be like, and I'd be like, give up this, and give up that, and give up that, and you need to let go of this, because God loves you, and you cut off your right hand at the city. It was a Bible verse. Just, it makes sense in context. And you need to do that. Amen. And then I look back now, and I feel bad for so many of those teenagers who grew up and sometimes still struggle with the things that they struggle with, thinking, man, where was God, and what has happened in my life? But I want you to know, the chain might be the same, but you've grown. You've grown, and if you would just pull, if you would just pull, I believe that the spike would rip off the ground, and you'd be, new, you'd be a new person, and you could reach new things and go to new places and accomplish new things because you're not the same. You cannot let who you were de- decide or define who you want to become. Did you hear me? You cannot let who you were decide or define who you want to become because you've grown and you're bigger. That's the story. That's the backstory of what's going on. Right here in the, in the story of, uh, of Mary, in the story of Mary, uh, this woman whose name we find out is Mary. And, here, and here's my point also, so you can just get, catch this and keep this and bring this home with you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Just because you couldn't doesn't mean you can't. Just because you couldn't doesn't mean you can't. Maybe you couldn't do it before. Try it now. Maybe you were bad in high school. You didn't get good grades. So what? Go to college. Go to college. Do it now. Maybe you didn't have the best parents. That's okay. Be a great parent. Maybe you were struggling with your addiction a week ago. A week ago. You tried to get free. A week ago and you couldn't. You fell. That's okay. Try now. Try now. Try now. Because just because you couldn't doesn't mean you can't. I believe there's a better future for you if you would just pull. You would just pull and you would just move and not allow your memories to mar your potential, to keep you and lock you up. Bad stuff happens. Don't let those memories keep you prisoner because you've grown and you're bigger. And I believe that that message is symbolized, and like I said, in the story of this woman, who we don't get a lot of details about. Uh, if you don't know, there are four gospel accounts of Jesus' life in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are four perspectives of the same stories, and each writer chooses different stories to to talk about. And in Matthew's version of this story, which is the one that we talk about, all we hear is that this was a woman. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him. That's all you know about this woman. But a very interesting detail can be found in the book of Luke. Now, you got to understand who Luke was. Luke was a doctor. Doctors are all about details. And so Luke puts something in his account of the same story that isn't in Matthew, Mark's, or John's account. He gives us more information on this woman. And this is Luke's account of the same story. And I need to show you this perspective because you can understand just how powerful the pouring out was. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. It'll be up on the screen. A woman in that town, uh uh-oh, there's a detail, wasn't there before. Matthew, Mark, and John, she's just a woman. But now we hear that this isn't just a woman, but this is a woman who lived a sinful life. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured that perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, 
if this man, Jesus, were really a prophet, he would know who is touching him and the, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. The Pharisee looks at this woman and he goes, hold on, hold on. I remember you. Aren't you the, that goes over and does that with him? Ain't you the, I remember you. I can imagine the shame. I can imagine the guilt. I can imagine the, the fear that she was probably uh, experiencing at the moment. And I wish I was there in that scene. Not the scene that's in the Bible, but the scene that's not in the Bible. I kind of figure what the scene looks like in the house with all the eyes staring at her, with all the people judging, with her kind of just, you know, huddled in. The, what I want to know is, I wish the Bible would have talked about the scene right before she got into the house. Because I could imagine being that woman, you know? You, you, you're there, you're in, the, you're in the town, you got a bad history, everybody knows your stuff, you just bought a $50,000 bottle of perfume, and you find out that Jesus is in town and you want to go. And you, you start to battle with yourself, should I go, should I not, should I go, should I stay? You get to the house, there's the house, but right before you step into the house to go reach to Jesus, to go do what you want to do, to accomplish your dream, to go get your destiny, right before you go in the house, there's a little, there's a little, uh, yeah, but, but, but they know me. And, uh, and that's kind of like, uh, like whose house is this? The Pharisee? This pastor's house? Pharisees were like, the pastor, the pastor's house? I know him, and uh, he knows me, and then that's my, um, that's my corner, like right there. Like that's where I do this stuff here, and I don't know if I go in there what that's going to be like. And I think there's so many of us today, and you got to kind of just make this message and bring it into your life. But there's so many of us here today, there's a place that God wants us to get to that we are not letting ourselves get to because of things that have happened in the past to us or through us or around us. And God is like, you just got to be able to get in and break free and come to me because there's so much more waiting for you in the house. If you would just pull and get, and get free and something happened in her for a moment, the fear of what could happen was broken by the possibility and excitement of what could happen. And I want you to know, you might be afraid to move on in life, and you might be afraid to move forward and accomplish new things, but what if the thing that's waiting for you is greater than the worst thing that could happen? What if God's got something so big for you, if you would just, and so she breaks in and she reaches Jesus. Two things happened in that room. One that she was expecting and one that she wasn't. The one thing that she was expecting was people recognized her. And she expected the people to recognize her. She got there and they said, I know who you are. I remember you and you, I'm going to let you know that I remember you. This is a woman who, Jesus, you don't just wipe your feet, Jesus. You don't want her tears on you. She did some bad stuff. And here's what you got to understand about that. Every day, and this is especially for my young guys. I know we got some teenagers in the, in the audience that sit. You got to listen to this because this is going to help you avoid some bad choices in life. Every bad choice that you make and every bad thing that happens to you, every loved one who dies, every sickness that you, that you endure, every relationship that was broken, every bad thing that has ever happened to you, listen, it's like a memory that gets dropped into your heart and into your life. Bad things happen. You know, uh, you get cheated on. Someone you love, like I said, dies. 
get hurt. What your dad did to you. Um, what your mom did to you. That divorce. We can go on and on, right? Tons of, here's what you need to know about memories. And this is kind of like bad news, but it's just reality, and then it's going to get good. Every memory that comes in can't come out. It's, it's, it's in there. When you get saved, Jesus, come into my life. I forgive, forgive me for my sins. I want to start new. I want you to know everything is new about you at that moment except this. When you get saved, these don't empty out. You know that, right? Like every bad thing that ever happened to you doesn't get erased. You still remember who you are. It's not like, dear Jesus, I, I receive you in my heart. Uh, forgive me for all my sins. I want to start you today. Where am I? What is this? Who are you? What is going on? Like, just so you know, like, all of it is there. There is no medicine for your memory. Some people, that hurts because there's something that's hurting you. But God has a solution. There's no medicine for your memory, but Jesus had a better idea. The second thing that happened to this woman is she wasn't expecting. Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. She wasn't expecting this. This is what Jesus said. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What am I trying to say? There is no medicine for your memory. Jesus knows that. And so he says, well, listen, I can't get rid of it and I can't fix it. So here's what I'm going to do. Since I can't give you medicine for your memory, here's what we're going to do for your, for your memory. We're going to give your memory a makeover. They used to know you as the woman who did this and did that. But you know what? From this day forward, here's a brand new memory. It's going to be the woman who poured the alabaster jar at Jesus' feet. And then it's going to be the woman. Here's how we remember Mary, by the way. It's also the woman who believed that Jesus could resurrect Lazarus, her brother. Same woman. And this is what the Bible tells about her. It's also the woman who financially supported Jesus in his ministry. It's also the woman who was the last person to leave the tomb when all the disciples left and the rock was rolled away and the guards were standing there and everyone thought it was over. Do you know the Bible tells us that there was one person at the tomb crying who refused to leave when everyone else left? Guess who? Mary. Oh, oh, and by the way, guess who was the first person to meet him when he resurrected? Just in case you didn't know, it was Mary. Isn't it interesting that out of the four gospel accounts of this story, in three of them, in only one of them is she the sinful woman, but in three of them, she's just married. She's just married. Jesus did the impossible. He couldn't get rid of the bad things that she did that everyone was going to remember and that she was going to remember. So he gave them something new to remember. He gave her something new to remember. He said, I got no medicine for your memory, but I can give you a makeover. They used to call you a sinner. Now they're going to call you a saint. They used to call you broken. Now they're going to call you a healer. Listen to me. The way they talk about you today is not going to be the way they talk about you tomorrow.
It's not. It's not because they're not going to remember those things. It's these things. What do I do with all the bad memories that haunt me? I can't get rid of them. Here we should do with Jesus' help. Are you ready? Make new ones. Make new ones. Make better ones. Make greater ones. Make memories where you're helping people. Make memories where you're giving to God. Make memories where you're, with you and your kids. Make memories with your husband, with your wife. Make new memories. The old ones cannot go away. But with God's help, you can live a greater life. And this is the life we live. All the bad stuff that we did is there. But guess what? There's something better. What God has done in your life since that point. You got a new book. Start writing. Start writing. Some people here today are thinking, yeah, but you don't know me. If that was Mary, if, if, if that was Mary's life, this is my life. And then some. You got any more back there? Because my life would be right about here in little red balls. Right about there of all the bad stuff that I've experienced, all the bad stuff. That, what do I do? What do I do? It only takes one good one. Would you make that good one today? What do you mean only one, one good one? All right, you never read this story? Luke chapter 22, verse 32. Two others, this is Jesus on the cross. Two others, both criminals, were let out to be executed with Jesus. And they came to a place called the skull, and they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one to his right and one on his left. One of the criminals hanging there scoffed him. So you're the Messiah, huh? You're this Jesus that everyone's been talking about. Well, prove it. Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? On the cross. This guy's being crucified on the cross. He's screaming over. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die? Verse 41. We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Verse 32. Then he said to Jesus. What do you say? Remember me. I don't know what that guy did to get on that cross. But you know what he was telling Jesus? Jesus, remember me like this. Remember me like this. Not the old me. Not the things that have happened or the past or the hurt. I want a new memory. Remember me like this. You see, your friends won't let you forget. And you won't forget. But I want you to know that when you come to Christ... That's it. The Bible says he throws every path as far as the east is from the west. And you are only one, remember me, away. This is what I want you. Could you stand on your feet? We're close with this. Here's what I want you to remember. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to remember. Listen to this. Christ is the memory that all other memories submit to. Christ is the memory that all other memories submit to. So you've been hurt, and so people have hurt you, and now here you are. But there is one name above all names that when you call out to that name, undoes a life, gives that memory a makeover. There are relationships that God is wanting you to get in, and, and he wants to bless, but you'll never get there because you're holding on to the hurt of that last one. 
There's businesses that God wants you to get going, but you're not going to move because you're afraid of the last time it failed. There's, 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 there's places, there's potential. Things tap inside of you that God wants to pull out a new place, but the thing that keeps you from getting there is that thinking chain. Every time I do it, I fall back. Every time I go, I, I come up short. Jesus, help me. Here it is. Give me a new memory. I know my past is my past, but I want to start today. I want to start new. I want to start fresh. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.